Hello there. It's Eric Erickson, and it's my show, The Eric Erickson Show. It's the third hour of this here program. I did send out the Krispy Kreme bread pudding recipe yesterday. If you did not get it and you want to see it, if you text the word recipe, singular, not plural, recipe, no S, recipe, to the number 33777, You'll get back a link uh, to my recipe substack, and you can see the Krispy Kreme bread pudding recipe. It's delicious. You can use any donuts. There used to be this donut shop uh, in my in-laws town called Vogelsburg's. Um, made the best donuts I've ever had. And they shut down. And, you know, for years I wanted to go in and say, could you just teach me how to make your donuts? And I never did. And I've regretted it ever since because they really were the best donuts. Uh, they were very fresh. You had to eat them the day you got them because otherwise they got stale. But, man, I miss Vogelsbergs, and I wish I had that donut recipe. You know, though, I made homemade donuts for my kids one time, and they didn't like them. I don't know why I bother, but that's okay. We got to move on to other stuff. Um, again, if you want to call in 877-973-7425, I, I want to play for you two bits of audio. And I'm just I'm going to play you the audio. The first is Kate Bedenfield, and the second is Dana Perino. Kate Bedenfield is, is the White House Communications Director. Dana Perino is on Fox News. She was the White House Press Secretary for George W. Bush. Here's Bedenfield. I certainly am not a spokesperson for the Kremlin and cannot speak to what is in Vladimir Putin's head. Uh, what I can say uh, is, of course, we have information that Putin felt misled by the Russian military, which has resulted in persistent tension between Putin and his military leadership. We believe that Putin is being misinformed by his advisors about how badly the Russian military is performing and how the Russian economy is being crippled by sanctions because his senior advisors are too afraid to tell him the truth. So it is increasingly clear uh, that Putin's war has been a strategic blunder that has left Russia weaker over the long term and increasingly isolated on the world stage. Now, I want to play you the clip by Dana Perino. It was from the heart, and the White House took less than 10 minutes to get walkbacks <laughs> to reporters. Seriously, there's, a, uh, there's White House reporters that had walked the walkback from five different aides within 10 minutes. You've worked at a White House. Do you think that the communications team was able to go to the president after his speech in Poland and say, Mr. President, you just said these nine words. Did you mean to say those? Mm -hmm. And if he says, yes, I did, then you deal with it. I don't think they asked him. So now wow. he's in this position Even where we worse. have weakened the president on the world stage, and maybe he shouldn't have said what he said. But then he said, but then I think they go a step further when they say he's speaking in his personal capacity. That is ridiculous. This is a speech on the world stage, the most important speech so far of Biden's in Poland, in on the world stage where everybody's watching the adversaries, your allies, your military, your moms and dads. And at the end, you say this line, and then the White House tries to say he was speaking in his personal capacity. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when they said that about Rochelle Walensky of the CDC? Yes. When she yes. said that about the schools? You, you're not allowed to do that when the backdrop says CDC and you're speaking in front of it. That is not your personal capacity. Isn't it an interesting dynamic? The White House intelligence reports about Vladimir Putin suggest that his staff is not being honest with him and telling him what's going on. And Dana Perino's theory about Joe Biden that she articulated on Fox News, by the way, it's not hers. Uh, everyone in Washington believes this, including 
Democrats that Joe Biden's staff went out and undermined him. So in in Russia, the problem is the staff isn't saying enough. And in Washington, the problem is the staff is saying too much. In Moscow, they're scared of Vladimir Putin. And in Washington, uh, they don't take Joe Biden seriously. Staff reversals. You have the White House staff walking back the president's statement on Vladimir Putin without consulting the president. Not only that, they hand him a piece of paper with the talking points that they agreed to, not him. They, they Ron Klain, set out that uh, he was expressing his personal moral disdain for Vladimir Putin. No, Joe Biden said, uh, my God, this man cannot remain in power. That's a call for regime change. And in Moscow, it's it's staff. I, I want to, there's a larger story here. And it's about the staff. In Washington, a lot of people want term limits in Washington. Term limit the members of Congress. Term limit the citizens. That, that, you know, I, I used to, uh, if my buddy Howie Rich listens to this, he's a big, he's the advocate nationally of term limits. I've come around on this. Might as well. What the hell? Let's 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 do term limits for members of Congress. But I actually think we should term limit the staff because the staff. Yeah. So there's this um, there's this movie. I actually very much like this movie. Uh, the movie is about uh, I think it's called Young Victoria, and it's about Queen Victoria becoming queen. Uh, it's, it's somewhat fictionalized. It's it's based on true events. Uh, Queen Victoria's mother was very controlling of her. She was not yet 18, and if she took the crown before 18, there would have to be a regency, and Queen Victoria's mother was enthralled with an Irishman who wasn't a very nice guy, who the King of England did not like, William IV, despised. And they knew if, if Victoria took the crown at the age of eight, uh, before the age of 18, her mother would be the regent and the, Victoria's mother would do whatever the man said. And the King of England, William IV, was in failing health on the verge of death and essentially just willed himself to stay alive until Victoria turned 18 and he died. And... There's this scene in the movie where uh, Victoria is meeting with the deceased king's wife, the queen, former queen of England, the dowager queen. And the dowager queen tells Victoria, you've got to remember, you stay, they go. Talking about the politicians and the staff. You stay, they go. The queen remains the politicians and the staff, they come and go. In Washington, it's exactly the opposite. The staff stays and the politicians go. In the deep state, in the bureaucracy, in the White House, in the Congress, the staff stays. When a member of Congress loses, the staff get hired by incoming members of Congress. Occasionally, they rotate out to the private sector, to the think tanks and the lobbying shops, and then they come back. 
And the ideas they have today or the ideas they had yesterday or the ideas they had the day before that or the ideas they had a year ago. The staff stays. The staff stays. And that staff, over time, gathers institutional knowledge but also institutional arrogance that they know best. I've had more than one person, and now I've had a couple of senators as well. At first, it was a couple of people who worked for senators tell me this. And now I've had a couple of senators tell me, yeah, this is absolutely true. When you see how Joe Biden runs his White House with Ron Klain in charge, you understand this is exactly how Joe Biden ran his Senate office. A lot of the old school senators are not involved in the day-to-day of their office. Younger senators tend to be. Older senators rely on their chiefs of staff. So you have the legislative director, the legislative assistant director, you have the uh, comm shop, you have the chief of staff, and they all get together and they set policy for the senator, or at least they give them a couple of options of here's what we think and you should vote for this or vote against it. And then they go to the senator and they say, hey, this is going to be on the floor today. Vote for it or don't vote for it. Look at the time change bill. The staffs of various senators refused to let them know that the time change bill was on the unanimous consent calendar, so the, the senators who opposed it couldn't object because the staff was in favor of it. The arrogance of the tenured staff, they should be term limited. And Joe Biden runs his White House very much like that. Now, Joe Biden clearly has some uh, mental failings over time. And I don't mean that pejoratively. It's just true. The Joe Biden of today is not the Joe Biden of a decade ago, let alone four years ago. Joe Biden clearly is suffering the mental decline that comes with age. And Joe Biden relies on Ron Klain. Ron Klain is the chief of staff. Ron Klain makes the decisions and presents the president with a basket of decisions. Mr. President, here are your two options, both of which do what I wish to be accomplished, one more aggressively than the other. That's what happens here. Ron Klain essentially serves as the prime minister to the king of the United States, except he's the president. Up until the early 1900s, the kings and queens of England still had a lot of power. It was only with Victoria in the Victorian era, that parliament uh, really became the premier agency. Uh, George III relied on his prime ministers, uh, William Pitt in particular, and uh, it was over time that during his mental decline, the prime minister became more notable, but it was still the kings and queens of England who made the final decisions on things. Nowadays, the, the queen of England largely just gives her blessing to things. She can advise, she can warn, she can admonish but she can't really stop things. She still has a veto power, by the way. The Queen of England has a veto power, but is rarely ever used. It was used two years ago, but it was used only because uh, the prime minister asked her to use it. We've got the situation with the White House Chief of Staff for Joe Biden because Joe Biden is mentally deficient at this point. And so the White House Chief of Staff makes all the decisions and presents them to the president and the president blesses them. But the president is still the president. Just as the Queen of England could go out tomorrow and make a statement and make a demand, the president can too. Now, the Queen of England has enough discipline. She's not going to do that. But Joe Biden can go take stage, give a speech, and at the end of the speech, ad-lib a line, my God, this man, Vladimir Putin, needs to go. 
wasn't in the speech. It wasn't in the text. Something had to happen. And so the White House has to force him to read a speech to do damage control for what he's done. It's very much she's in the situation as the Queen of England. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin, his staff just isn't filling him in on stuff. So he can't make complete decisions. They're kind of in, in reverse roles here. Putin isn't being given enough information to be able to make a decision. And with Joe Biden, the decision's already been made and he's just got to bless it. And in either case, it's the staff. The staff become the problem. The staff decide over time. They know best. They have the institutional knowledge. Now, there's nobody who works for Joe Biden who's been in Washington as long as Joe Biden, but I'm willing to guess Joe Biden doesn't remember it all. And it's the staff that's the problem. Morton Blackwell is the head of the Leadership Institute. When I went to campaign management school, I went to the Leadership Institute. If you're a conservative and you want to learn how to run campaigns, go to the Leadership Institute. Better training than you'll get anywhere else. The Leadership Institute is a remarkable organization. Morton Blackwell is a hero of mine. I, I just adore the guy. Morton Blackwell has a, a, a list of, of policy prescriptives and, and ideas and bits of witticism and, and wisdom he's gotten over time. And one of those is, is often quoted, often cited. And I give it to Morton Blackwell, although he's not the progenitor of the idea. But it is that people is policy. People is policy or people are policy. Your picks, the people you surround yourself with, it's a policy decision. They make or break you. And Joe Biden has surrounded himself with progressives who are advancing a progressive agenda that the rest of the country doesn't want. And it's dragging Joe Biden down. And ultimately, he has given his blessing to it because it's his administration. He may call it the Biden-Harris administration, but it's his administration. Vladimir Putin is surrounded with staff who are scared of him, so they're keeping information from him. And that's causing him to screw up a war in Ukraine, where now he's, you're going to have a bunch watch this. You're going to have a bunch of seek fence in the West say, oh, this is his strategy all along. It's brilliant. When really he overshot because his staff was scared to tell him the truth. They're in reverse roles right now, Biden and Putin, and all of it comes down to staffing issues. Okay, I, I want to state something that should be obvious that may not be obvious for people. I like a high thread count sheet, but if the threads are crap, the sheet's going to be crap no matter how many uh, threads you need. It just, it, it's, it's amazing how people want to highlight that. And the reason I highlight this is because Bolin Branch makes high quality sheets and they're not a bajillion, majillion thread count either, but their threads are super high quality. They use 100% organic cotton threads. They give super softness. You get a better night's sleep. They're not just buttery, soft, and breathable, impossibly soft to start. They get softer with every wash. I can attest to this. Every time you wash them, they just seem to get a little softer, and they hold up so well over the long term. You know, I'm on, gosh, maybe my second set of Bolin Branch sheets in, in a decade. So they just hold up so well. They're a quality product, and they give you such a good night's sleep. Oh, my gosh. They're so fantastic. I really do love these sheets, and I love Bolin Branch. You can, too. They are fantastic. They're so luxurious. Three U.S. presidents sleep under Bolin Branch sheets. So you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BolinBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A. 
bullandbranch.com. The promo code is Eric. Get a good night's sleep under Bull and Branch sheets. All right. I'm going to go to the phones here for a minute. 877-973-7425. As the voice says, Arthur, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, uh, question about the release of a million gallons a day from the oil, uh, strategic oil reserve. Who do they sell it to and what price do they sell it? Oh, uh, that's an excellent, excellent question there, Arthur. Let's, let me see here. Um, how does selling from the strategic petroleum reserve work? Um, I, that's, that's when we can find out together. We'll learn something together. Uh, ah, it looks like, um, it, it's all bid out. So you release the oil into the market and it's sold on the futures market in the United States. Uh, so people buy it through the futures market, uh, like they do the rest of the oil reserves. Okay. That's what I would have guessed, but yep, that appears to be the case from CNBC. So oil is bought on the futures market. So the government makes available the the uh, reserve oil into the futures market, and it is bought there, and you have an obligation to send trucks to pick it up. You know, this is one of the weird things that I found out during the – remember during COVID where the price of a barrel of oil was negative, which meant like it was selling at negative $10, which meant uh, essentially – the reserve, the the oil companies were paying you to come get the oil from them, and the futures markets for oil. I did not know this until that moment. It's a physical market. What you are committing when you go onto the futures market and you buy the oil, let's say you buy from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which are uh, down in Louisiana, salt uh, deposits and salt mine deposits in Louisiana. I believe it is. What you are saying is that you will drive your trucks to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and they will fill it up. The government will fill up your truck and you will drive it away. That's what you're that's what you're doing is you're committing to be there on a date certain to fill your trucks up with that oil and take it off to the refinery to refine it. That's actually what happened. I, I had no idea uh, back during the, the energy crisis situation that that's what was going on. It's remarkable, uh, remarkable that that happens. So now oil prices have gone a little bit. I'll tell you what. what's uh, still outrageous is uh, air travel. So I, you know, I, I don't fly. I really want to get to the, the uh, round of flying private, uh, but... Um, I, I have taken the, recently a private flight on a company called uh, Priority Jet. You know, it actually, if you and your friends like load up the plane and you're going to Miami or something, it's like a first class ticket. I didn't realize it could be that affordable for a group of people to go. So I, I used this company, Pri Priority Jet, went out to Las Vegas, uh, took some friends with me. Um, and I, I was reading this article yesterday, I believe it was that private flying is still such a thing because of COVID because rich people don't want to wear masks on planes, even as they want you to wear them. They're all doing private flying and it's crowding up runways. And, and the, the costs are astronomical right now, both because of demand and because of gas. But it's also impacting commercial aviation in general, that uh, flights right now 
are super expensive, but with private flying, it's more the price of oil and demand. And with public flying, it's more seats on the plane. They're filling up so quickly that they're now increasing prices to curb demand. It's a very, very complex market, but gas prices at the bottom line right now are more affecting private aviation and private car travel than public transportation on planes. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, so public opinion strategies. Let, let me. This is important here for you to understand. The poll that has the Democrats freaked out right now is the NBC News poll. And the reason it has them freaked out is because it's done by two groups a Republican and a Democratic pollster that are highly, highly respected in the industry. So Heart Research is the Democratic group and Public Opinion Strategies is the Republican group. Both are highly respected pollsters. They do not put out crap polls to advance narratives. That's one thing some pollsters do is they put out polls that are designed to create a story that may not be true. Like when David Perdue, the senator, former senator from Georgia, decided he was going to run against Georgia's governor, he put out a poll, and that poll showed that he was going to dominate the poll or dominate the race and crush Brian Kemp. Well, all the other polling, as he's entered the race, has shown that poll was just a narrative device for his campaign to get a press release out. Public Opinion Strategies doesn't do that. Neither does Heart Research. Public Opinion Strategies has polled the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. And I'm going to call it that just because everybody knows what I'm talking about there. It's actually the Parental Rights and Education Act. 55% of Democrats support the legislation. 55% of Democrats support the legislation. Bet you're not hearing that on TV, are you? Uh, as the Democrats advance these issues. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Ed has waited very patiently. Ed, welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. How you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I appreciate your program. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, well, where'd you go? You disappeared. Ed? Uh, well, he, he that wasn't me. That was Ed. I don't know. But uh, and Ed had waited a long time to get on the program to talk about this particular issue, and I set it up for him, and now he's going away. I, I will say this. Um, I think Republicans could overplay their hand on this issue. Never underestimate the Republicans' willingness to overplay their hand on these sorts of cultural social issues. They, they can. But it just seems to me that it's going to be really hard right now for them to as the Democrats go gung-ho on overplaying their hand on these issues. The Democrats are so in-your-face and, and downright nasty about these issues and censorious about these issues, I think the Republicans themselves uh, could go pretty far without ever overplaying their hand. Now, back to the phones. Bob, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am plugging along. I was Good. listening to your conversation about the oil reserves, and I thought, and I is a good question, how much do they pay for it? Well, if it's based on oil futures, and it's, say, 120 a barrel for oil futures, where is that going to reduce the cost of oil, gas at the pump? And not only that, 
but that's it, not really a large enough volume, I don't think, to effectively change the price of oil. And that oil reserve is routinely cycled out and replaced. Now, if they're going beyond that, that has to be replaced and maintained at a certain level, and I think that's by federal statute. So I believe uh, that a lot of this that's being done is just for political presentation with no true long-term benefit. You're right. Uh, it is political, and there is no long-term benefit. Um, the oil futures market did decline after the announcement, but it's still over $100 a barrel. Uh, and the reason right now is because, and this is important, and in a matter of intellectual honesty, I, I, I feel compelled to uh, go down this road, Bob. Uh, if American producers of oil were to immediately turn on the excess pumps right now, the excess um, flow rate of oil out there, do you know how many barrels of oil they could produce right now? An extra million. And I, I think as a, as a matter of honesty, I, I got to say this, Joe Biden has announced he's going to put into the the flow of oil right now an extra million barrels of oil a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. If every oil company in America suddenly turned on all of their available oil platforms that are usable right now, they could only produce a million barrels of oil a day. So we're getting from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve no more than what the private sector could pump right now. As a matter of intellectual honesty, I think you've got to acknowledge that data, but there's there's something else here that the Democrats don't like to talk about. There are lots of leases and regulatory approvals that are pending for additional oil capacity beyond that extra million barrels a day. And the Democrats are slow walking all of that. They're slow walking all of that and have not made those authorizations. As much as the Biden administration likes to say, well, they've got all these unused leases out there. The reason they have unused leases is because the Biden administration won't approve the actual permits to take advantage of the leases. They've slow walked that. Additionally, there are supply chain problems for oil manufacturers or oil producers right now. Uh, there is a steel shortage nationwide and uh, worldwide. They do not have the steel to be able to make additional pipes. They don't have the steel right now to fix uh, some offline oil refineries, oil factories, and oil um, wells that they need. Offshore and onshore oil wells are dependent on steel. With this shortage, they've had to take some capacity offline. That's true. Notice Pete Buttigieg is not out there talking about uh, this supply chain issue. There are complicating factors, and, and I, I think it, it, it behooves us to acknowledge the complicated situation. What is not complicated is this. The administration has declared war on oil and gas. The administration has repeatedly said uh, no to oil and gas. The administration has said uh, they're opposed to further expansion. They are opposed to uh, expanding leasing. They are uh, they have curtailed offshore leasing. Uh, it's really hard to convince the oil industry to make further investment in an industry that the most powerful man on planet Earth has declared war against. That could change very easily. It should change very easily. The president of the United States could come out and, and say, you know what, we actually need this. 
the president of the United States could actually come out right now and say, hey, uh, we actually need more oil and gas and uh, we are going to declare truce. We're going to ask oil and gas manufacturers and producers to pick up the pace and we're going to incentivize them doing so. And we're going to work with them to make sure that they can get out of the ground what they need to get out of the ground. But they're not doing that. They're not doing that. What they're doing is they're saying we want the industry to die. What they're doing is saying these people are bad. What they're doing is saying if you support these people, you're support de- destroying the planet. That's just the reality, y'all. That's just the, the, the that's the truth. The Biden administration keeps saying this sort of stuff, and so it disincentivizes investment in the oil and gas industry. And because it disincentivizes in, uh, investment in the oil and gas industry, we are where we are. Where if they were to turn on all the all the pumps tomorrow, they could only get an extra million barrels of gas or a million barrels of oil out. I think it's notable that that million barrels of oil a day from Joe Biden makes up the excess capacity. And I guarantee you they're about to start a talking point. Well, all we're doing is we're making up this surge. Now, if they bring their million online, we'll have two million barrels a day. We actually need more than that to get prices down reasonably. Yeah, it is totally fair to say that the oil industry, it is incapable of flipping a switch tomorrow and getting more than an extra million barrels of oil a day out of the ground. That's fair. If someone confronts you with that, just acknowledge it. It's true. And all the Biden administration is doing, their commitment, all their the Biden administration is doing is pumping out, producing uh, that which uh, the, the industry could do, making up the excess. The problem here is that the Biden administration could do more, and they won't. The futures market is a futures market. It's the present price based on future expectations. If the Biden administration said, actually, we're going to expedite leases and regulatory approval to drill, that would lower the price. Without ever putting a drop of oil in the market right now, it would lower the price. If the Biden administration said, actually, we are going to reauthorize and re-up oil platforms in the Gulf of Mexico, even though it'll take a year or two to get them online, that would reduce the present price of future drops of oil. If the Biden administration said they were going to expand leases and drilling on on federal land, that would reduce the present price of future drops of oil. And if the Biden administration stopped making the oil industry the bad guy, that alone would not reduce the present price of a future drop of oil. But it would incentivize the oil and gas companies to do it themselves in their present leases. And that would drop the present price of future drops of oil. Well, this isn't hard. It's not hard. There, It's complicated, certainly complicated. It's a complicated issue. You, you pull the oil out of the ground, and then it has to be taken to a refinery where it's refined into products. And keep in mind, you're not just dealing with gas. You're dealing with plastics as well. You're dealing with a lot more than just the gas for your car. 
and they want to ignore that. They don't want to talk about that. That's why we're not going to get rid of fossil fuels anytime soon because the oil byproducts go into the plastics and everything, and the rubber and everything else. They just don't like to talk about that. But the reality is the Biden administration, even in a complicated system, has a lot of tools to reduce the present price of future drops of oil in the futures market. And they refuse to do those things because the Biden administration has concluded higher prices are the best incentive to get you to go buy an electric car. In fact, the president of the United States has spoken. While I've been on radio talking, the president's been speaking about reducing uh, the fossil fuel or, or uh, getting out the strategic petroleum reserve and producing more money. But listen to this. This is the president. It's about declaring real American energy independence in the long term so that we never have to deal with this problem again. Ultimately, we and the whole world need to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels altogether. We need to choose long-term security over energy and climate vulnerability. We need to double down on our commitment to clean energy and tackling the climate crisis with our partners and allies around the world. That's no incentive for the oil industry to produce more oil. It's no incentive for the oil industry to get out there and uh, take care of the supply issue. It's just no incentive. It's also a moment of patriotism. I want to acknowledge those companies that have already announced they're increasing immediate production. They're investing money to produce more oil and also clean technology we need to reduce our dependence on oil in the future. They have everything they need, nothing standing in their way. And they've indicated they will be producing an extra one million barrels of oil per day. Which is what we're producing, getting out of the strategic petroleum reserve. It's a matter of patriotism, he says. So it's patriotism, according to Joe Biden, for a company he wants to destroy to start producing oil to help Joe Biden at the polling. That's that's Joe Biden's patriotism is for oil companies to produce more oil to lower gas prices. So Joe Biden and the Democrats do better in the polling. That's it. And then he wants to destroy the company anyway. That's no incentive for these companies. What's an incentive is the high price right now. That's got them up producing more. And you know what? They could begin to lower the price even further if Joe Biden would just stop attacking the petroleum industry and instead say he wants them to produce as much as they can and get the price down. You know what happens when we produce a lot of oil in this country? Prices go down pretty big. And you know what happens when those prices go down pretty big? We get into an economic growth spurt because energy costs go down, which lowers prices for people, which allows companies to make more money and hire more people. Every major economic expansion we've had in this country has come with a monetary policy that's sound and an energy policy that incentivizes getting oil out of the ground. This administration has no intention of doing either one, which means we're going to stay in Joe Biden's economic stagflation. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, except, you know, it's actually kind of too late for you to call in. Paul Bedard, the Washington Examiner, Washington Secrets column, has this, FEC fines, Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton for the Trump dossier hoax. 
The Federal Election Commission has fined the DNC in the Clinton campaign for lying about funding the Steele dossier used in a smear attempt against Donald Trump. The election agency said that Clinton and the DNC violated strict rules on describing expenditures of payments funneled to the opposition research group Fusion GPS through their law firm. A combined $1,024,407.97 was paid by the treasurers of the DNC and the Clinton campaign to the law firm Perkins Coey for Fusion GPS's information. And the party in the campaign hid the reason, claiming it was for legal services, not opposition research. Instead, the DNC's 849000 and the Clinton campaign's 175000 covered Fusion GPS's opposition research on the dossier. The FEC, in a memo to the Coolidge Reagan Foundation, which filed its complaint over three years ago, says it has fined the Clinton treasurer $8,000 and the DNC treasurer $105,000. Uh, you will notice not a lot of media coverage outside of Fox about this. Now, this is one of the things that uh, Democrats have really pioneered more so than Republicans, and Republicans have started uh, catching on. What it is, is uh, they fund their money through a law firm. The law firm says it's legal services, and then the law firm covers a lot of the costs. Because you can look at financial disclosures and kind of get a sense of what they're spending money on. Well, if you're running everything through the law firm, the law firm just looks like legal service. So it looks like you're spending a lot on lawyers and you're not spending any on mail or opposition research or anything like that. So the FEC uh, wrote a lot of um, regulations over the last few years to deal with this growing trend by the Democrats and the Republicans that if you're paying your law firm to do opposition research, you got to say what the research is. You can't just say it was legal fees to the law firm. You got to say what sort of legal fees. Was it opposition research? Was it design of mail? Was it something like that? The Clinton campaign and the DNC have skirted this rule. They've been fined now by the FEC for so doing. It has become more and more obvious over time the Clinton campaign paid for and orchestrated the hit on Donald Trump. And what's remarkable is how many members of the media still maintain that Trump was bought and paid for by the Russians when it was always a Clinton ploy to avoid having to explain why she lost. It got amplified over time. Uh, it, it, honestly, it, it really is the most remarkable thing here. This is why I think Democrats aren't going to learn anything moving forward into 2022 and beyond when they lose at the ballot box, uh, they're going to say that it was voter suppression. That it was GOP dirty tricks. They're never going to be willing to acknowledge it was them. Hillary Clinton lost because she didn't campaign in Wisconsin and Western Pennsylvania. She didn't lose because of the Russians. Yet to this day, they will say it was because of the Russians. So they never have to learn their lessons, which is actually good for the GOP because they keep repeating the same mistakes over time. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. 
you want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.